Welcome to the Global East third quarter 2023 earnings call. This call is being simultaneously webcast on the company's website in the investor section under news and events. For opening remarks and introductions, I will now turn the call over to Erica Mannion at Sapphire Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you and good morning. With me today from Global E are Amir Schlockett, co-founder and chief executive officer, Ofra Karen, chief financial officer, and Nir Debbie, co-founder and president. Amir will begin with a review of the business results for the third quarter of 2023. Ofra will then review the financial results for the third quarter of 23 followed by the company's outlook for the fourth quarter and full year of 2023. We will then open the call for questions. Certain statements we make today may constitute forward-looking statements and information within the meaning of Section 27A of the Securities Act of 1933, Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, and the Safe Harbor Provisions of the U.S. Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995 that relate to our current expectations and views of future events. These forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, some of which are beyond our control. In addition, these forward-looking statements reflect our current views with respect to future events and are not a guarantee of future performance. Actual outcomes may differ materially from the information contained in the forward-looking statements as a result of a number of factors including those set forth in the section titled Risk Factors in our prospectus filed with the SEC on September 13, 2021, and other documents filed or furnished to the SEC. These statements reflect management's current expectations regarding future events and operating performance and speak only as of the date of this call. You should not put undue reliance on any forward-looking statements. Although we believe that the expectations reflected in the forward-looking statements are reasonable, we cannot guarantee that future results, levels of activity, performance, and events and circumstances reflected in the forward-looking statements will be achieved or will occur. Except as required by applicable law, we make no obligation to update or revise publicly any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events or otherwise after the date on which these statements are made or to reflect the occurrence of unanticipated events. Please refer to our press release dated November 15, 2023 for additional information. In addition, certain metrics will be discussed today are non-GAAP metrics. The presentation of this financial information is not intended to be considered in isolation or as a substitute or superior to the financial information prepared and presented in accordance with GAAP. We use these non-GAAP financial measures for financial and operational decision-making and as a means to evaluate period-to-period comparisons. We believe that these measures provide useful information about operating results, enhance the overall understanding of past financial performance and future prospects, and allow for greater transparency with respect to key metrics used by management in its financial and operating decision-making. For more information on the non-GAAP financial measures, please see the reconciliation tables provided in our press release dated November 15, 2023. Throughout this call, we provide a number of key performance indicators used by our management and often used by competitors in our industry. These and other key performance indicators are discussed in more detail in our press release dated November 15, 2023. 
I will now turn the call over to Amir, co-founder and CEO. Thank you, Erica, and welcome everyone to our Q3 earnings call. We delivered a strong third quarter with 35% of growth in GMB and 76% growth in adjusted EBITDA on the back of improved profitability margins and strict cost control. In addition, during the quarter, we made major advances along all our strategic vectors. Despite the continued strong growth, for a combination of macro-driven reasons, GMV and revenues for the quarter fell slightly short of our guidance range, which also leads us to a slight downwards revision of our annual GMV and revenue forecast. But at the same time, our adjusted EBITDA came in above the guidance range, and we are also raising our adjusted EBITDA forecast for the year, a testament to the strength and durability of our business model as we continue on our path towards reaching our long-term adjusted EBITDA margin target while sustaining high and durable growth. Before we dive in deeper into the results, I would first like to express my personal wholehearted thank you to the many of you who have reached out to us through various channels over the past few weeks in the wake of the unimaginably barbaric attack by Hamas terrorists on Israeli civilians that took place on October 7th. Your compassion, support, and generosity are heartwarming and give us rays of light during these dark times. The atrocities of October 7th and the inevitable subsequent military conflict have impacted a lot of Israeli families. Ever since the attack took place, we have taken many actions to both ensure the safety and well-being of our team members and their families, and to extend our support to the broad communities that have been impacted. From a business operations perspective, while some of our Israeli colleagues have been called for active reserve duty, there has been no impact on our ongoing activities, and our business continues to operate as usual. As you know, and as our company name suggests, Globally is truly a global organization, working natively in diverse teams spread across more than 20 locations around the world, with only about half of the workforce located in Israel. Through the resilience of our incredible global team, the business continuity plans we have in place, and the fact that all our infrastructure is cloud-based, we expect no impact on our business even as the war continues. In any case, I'm certain you will all join me in wishing for better and more peaceful times to come soon. Switching to our quarterly business results and outlook, and starting off with GMV. On the one hand, our business continued to fire on all cylinders during Q3, without any slowdown in the pace in which new merchants signed up and went live. But on the other hand, we did encounter stronger than expected macroeconomic headwinds during September and parts of October, which negatively impacted same-store sales growth, reversing the trend we have seen during Q1 and Q2. The main impact came in the form of softening consumer demand in European markets, as well as overall weaker demand in the luxury fashion segment. In total, our GMV for the quarter amounted to $839 million, representing a high-paced growth rate of 35% year-on-year. Total revenues for the quarter also came in below our guidance, totaling $133.6 million, up 27% year-on-year. Apart from the GMV shortfall caused by the macroeconomic headwinds I just mentioned, revenue growth was further affected 
by a lower blended take rate in the quarter. Before I continue, I would like to mention that while we are still not in a position to provide concrete guidance for fiscal year 2024, starting late October and over the past few weeks, we have seen positive signs indicating a possible recovery in consumer spending towards the peak trading season, with same-store sales figures bouncing back. We also have reason to believe that the overall take rate we are seeing in the second half of this year will remain relatively stable into next year. So while the shortfall in GMV in Q3, combined with the prevailing macro-related uncertainty levels around consumer spending, have forced us to revise our annual guidance slightly downwards, we nevertheless believe that these early positive indications over the past few weeks, together with the continued strength of our many growth engines and our new bookings, will enable our growth rates to accelerate going forward and into 2024. Moving forward further sorry, down the P&L, our non-GAAP gross profitability margin continued to expand, coming in at 44.4% versus 41.5% in Q3 of 2022, driven in part by the favorable revenue mix, as well as our continued efforts to drive efficiencies and optimizations thanks to our growing economies of scale. This, in conjunction with our continued tight cost control and best-in-class operational efficiency, yielded an adjusted EBITDA margin of 16.5% for the quarter, compared to 11.9% in the same quarter last year. In dollar terms, Adjusted EBITDA in the quarter amounted to $22.1 million, a staggering 76% growth year-on-year, beating the top of the forecasted range and representing the strength of our business model and its ability to sustainably generate durable, fast-paced, and profitable growth. As you will see when Offer provides our detailed full-year guidance, in 2023 we expect to make a large stride towards achieving our long-term profitability adjusted EBITDA target as in the span of the year, we moved from 11.9% in 2022 to over 16% forecasted for 2023. Given the immense market opportunity ahead of us, our clear market leadership position, and the top-notch execution abilities of our global teams, we firmly believe in our ability to continue on this durable and profitable growth trajectory well into the future. Beyond the financial metrics, I would also like to give you a few updates on our strategic posture and main initiatives. As I mentioned earlier, during the third quarter, we continue to onboard many new merchants across all different markets and verticals. In Europe, we launched with many new brands during Q3, including the iconic UK fashion brand Ted Baker, the French fashion icon Lacoste in its cooperation with Underwater 3, as well as with the French racing watches brand Depancel, eco-friendly clothing brand Balzac Paris, the Spanish brand Pauline Moi, and the iconic Italian luxury brand Paul and & Shark, and many more. In the U.S., we went live, among others, with the American fashion house Tory Burch, the jewelry brand Moon Magic, the online watches store of Guess, the sustainable footwear and bags brand Rothy's, the leading women-owned and women-led fashion brand Frank & Eileen, as well as the known Californian denim brand, AG Jeans. We also continued our expansion to additional verticals, such as consumer electronics, with the recent launch of the iconic audio brand, Bang & Olufsen. In terms of our expansion into APAC, 
Q3 saw many advances as well, as we continue to strengthen our presence in this fast growth region. In Australia, we launched with many new brands this quarter, including Kotomi Swimwear, plus-size fashion brand Taking Shape, emerging high-end fashion brand St. Agni, kids' clothing brand Chloe and Emily, and the popular fast fashion brand Hello Molly. Japan saw some exciting new launches as well, including the world-famous diary and stationery brand Hobonichi, the innovative sneaker brands of One and Only and Grounds, lingerie brand Amorfeel, and others. Further in the region, we also launched with an additional Korean fashion brand called Psabi, as well as with the Hong Kong-based organic newborn clothing brand, The Weebin. During the quarter, we also continued to expand our activity with existing merchant groups, as we went live with three new maisons from the LVMH group, jewelry brand Reposi, and the fashion brands Emilio Pucci and Patu. We also went live with the UK luxury brand Pourday, which is part of the Richemont Group. These are just a few select examples, as we are once again headed towards a record year in terms of new bookings, and with a growing pipeline of new opportunities across different verticals and dozens of geographies, we firmly believe that we are just at the beginning of capturing the massive and growing opportunity in cross-border e-commerce. Moving on to additional elements of our strategic roadmap, we have continued to expand our strong partnership with Shopify across all domains. On the third-party side, our partnership agreement with Shopify has been renewed for another year, and we are nearing completion of the migration of all our Shopify-based merchants into the new native solution. We have also launched the first phase of our integration into Shopify's new state-of-the-art checkout extensibility feature in close collaboration with Shopify engineering teams, and expect to complete the rollout of this exciting new capability by the end of 2023. But the bigger news this quarter came on the first-party side, or Shopify Markets Pro, which was successfully launched into general availability for U.S. merchants in September. Markets Pro has been well-received by the Shopify merchant community, and we believe it will be the primary driver for merchants who want to expand their reach to consumers worldwide. This innovative solution enables merchants to create a highly localized international consumer experience across all markets, without worrying about the complexities of international duties and taxes compliance, international payment fraud, international shipping, and so on. This comprehensive offering is addressing a clear and business-centric need for countless merchants. And as such, we expect it to continue growing rapidly over many years to come. Besides supporting the launch, our teams continue to work closely together with Shopify's teams to further enhance the set of capabilities available to these merchants and to enable Shopify Markets Pro for merchants based in additional markets outside the U.S. next year. In terms of our overall technology stack, as always, we continue to invest in building new features and extending the functionality and interoperability of our platform for the benefit of both our existing and our prospect merchants. A few notable examples would be our new integration with the payment gateway Crypto.com, which will allow relevant merchants to accept cryptocurrencies as payment methods in the checkout. Other notable examples would be our improved support for long-term product pre-orders via payment card tokenization, and our recently added capability to support orders which contain products that are shipped from multiple hubs located in different countries as part of a unified shopping basket, enabling global merchants to optimize the delivery experience 
based on their global inventory footprint. In parallel, we continue to expand our addressable market via integrations to additional platforms. The latest outcome of this ongoing effort is our first pilot merchant on the Wix platform, which is now in live testing, onboarded by means of our newly developed, easy-to-use plugin for Wix-based merchants, ensuring a simple integration process into this popular platform. In light of all these developments and others, as well as many exciting opportunities we are eager to pursue, we continue to expand both our technological teams and our commercial teams around the globe. But as always, we remain committed to doing so in a durable and sustainable way, as is evident from our consistent cash generation and adjusted EBITDA hypergrowth. And with that, I will now hand it over to Offer to take you through the quarterly figures in more depth, as well as present our updated guidance. Thank you, Amir, and thanks again, everyone, for joining us today for our quarterly earnings call. First, I would also like to thank many of you who have expressed support and emphasis vis-à-vis the murderous attack on innocent civilians we experienced on October 7. As for our Q3 results, while our top-line results came in slightly below our guidance range, driven mainly by softer consumer demand in September, our business model continues to demonstrate its robustness. As Amir stated, we believe that in the coming quarters, growth will accelerate, supported by the rapid growth of Shopify Markets Pro, the continued expansion of the globally enterprise business, and the improvement of consumer sentiment we've witnessed since late October. In parallel, we've witnessed in Q3 a continued improvement in our bottom line results with adjusted EBITDA coming in above the guidance range. I'd like to point out again that in addition to our GAAP results, I'll also be discussing certain non-GAAP results. Our GAAP financial results, along with the reconciliation between GAAP and non-GAAP results, can be found in our earnings release. As said, our rapid growth in GMV continued in Q3, with $839 million of GMV generated on our platforms an increase of 35% year-over-year. The growth pace was slightly lower than our guidance range, driven by a decrease in same-store sales starting early September due to weakness in luxury goods demand and softness in European consumer demand. In Q3, we generated total revenues of $133.6 million, up 27% year-over-year. Service fee revenues were $62.4 million, up 31% year-over-year, and fulfillment services revenue were up 23% to $71.2 million. While service fee take rate increased compared to Q2, fulfillment take rate continued to decrease, mainly driven by the continued growth of our multi-local services, as well as some shift towards standard shipping, which inherently drives a lower fulfillment take rate compared to express shipping. As I mentioned, we believe that in the coming quarters, growth will accelerate, driven by the rapid growth of Shopify Markets Pro, the continued expansion of the globally enterprise business, and the improvement of consumer sentiment we have witnessed since late October, which resulted in improved same-store sales. 
Non-GAAP gross profit continues to outpace revenue growth driven by the higher share of service fees and improved efficiencies. In Q3, non-GAAP gross profit was $59.3 million, up 36% year-over-year, representing a gross margin of 44.4% compared to 41.5% in the same period last year. GAAP gross profit was $56.5 million, representing a margin of 42.3%. Moving on to operational expenses. We continue to invest in our platform services and product capabilities. In Q3, we strengthened the effort around the Shopify Marcus Pro white label solution, which went into general availability in the U.S. as of September. R&D expense in Q3, excluding stock-based compensation, was $18.2 million, or 13.6% of revenue, compared to $16.6 million, or 15.7% in the same period last year. Total R&D spend in Q3 was $24.9 million. We also continue to invest in sales and marketing to support and expand our pipeline while maintaining efficiencies. Sales and marketing expense, excluding Shopify-related amortization expenses, stock-based compensation, and acquisition-related intangibles amortization, was $12.9 million, or 9.6% of revenue, compared to $9 million, or 8.5% of revenue, in the same period last year. Shopify warrant-related amortization expense was $37.4 million. Total sales and marketing expenses for the quarter was $53.6 million. General and administrative expenses, excluding stock-based compensation, acquisition-related expenses, and acquisition-related contingent consideration, was $6.7 million, or 5% of revenue, compared to $6.2 million, or 5.9% of revenue in the same period last year. Total GNA spend in Q3 was $13.6 million. Our overall operational expenses, excluding stock-based compensation, Shopify-related amortization expenses, acquisition-related expenses, and acquisition-related contingent consideration, stood at 28% versus 30% in the same quarter last year, moving towards our long-term efficiency target of 25%. Although our top-line results are slightly under our guidance range, our business model continues to demonstrate its resilience. Adjusted EBITDA totaled $22.1 million, growing 76% year-over-year, representing a 16.5% adjusted EBITDA margin, compared to $12.5 million, or 11.9% margin, in the same period last year. Net loss was $33.1 million, compared to a net loss of $64.6 million in the year-ago period. Net loss is driven mainly by the amortization expenses related to the Shopify warrants and to the transaction-related intangibles. Switching gears and turning to the balance sheet and cash flow statements, we've ended Q3 2023 with $253 million in cash and cash equivalents, including short-term deposits and marketable securities. Our business model strength continues to translate into cash generation, as cash flow generating by operating activities was $26.6 million, compared to half a million dollars used a year ago. 
Moving on to our financial outlook and guidance for Q4 2023 and our updated 2023 full year guidance. For Q4 2023, we're expecting GMV to be in the range of $1.125 to $1.175 billion. At the midpoint of the range, this represents a growth rate of 37% versus Q4 of 2022. We expect Q4 revenue to be in the range of $178 to $186 million. At the midpoint of the range, this represents a growth rate of 30% versus Q4 of 2022. For adjusted EBITDA, we are expecting a profit in the range of $31.5 to $36.5 million. For the full year of 2023, we are updating our guidance. We anticipate GMV to be in the range of $3.49 to $3.54 billion, representing 44% annual growth at the midpoint of the range. Revenue is expected to be in the range of $563 to $571 million, representing a growth rate of nearly 39% at the midpoint of the range. For adjusted EBITDA, we are raising our guidance and expecting a profit of $89.1 to $94.1 million, representing a hyper growth rate of 88% year-on-year at the midpoint of the range, which will in turn translate into a year of strong positive cash flow generation. In conclusion, we continue to enhance our offering and tap into the massive potential of the direct-to-consumer cross-border opportunity. We aim to continue our rapid growth while improving efficiencies and generating cash. And with that, Amir Nir and I are happy to take any of your questions. Operator? At this time, we will be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate that your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. We ask that you limit yourself to one question and a follow-up so that others may have an opportunity to ask questions. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, while we poll for questions. Our first question comes from James Fawcett with Morgan Stanley. Please proceed with your question. Hi, everyone. It's Michael Infantan for James. Thanks for taking our question. Given Shopify's commentary and your commentary on Markets Pro, I'd be interested if you could unpack what you saw in the quarter from a same-store sales perspective and perhaps the magnitude of recovery you saw in late October and how that's informing the 4Q outlook. Thanks. Hi, um, thank you for, uh, for the question. Um, as we mentioned um, during uh, the call, what, uh, what we saw is, um, is a weakness in, um, in same-store sales uh, growth that came mainly from uh, consumer sentiment uh, in uh, Europe and, and also from the luxury segment uh, pretty much uh, across the board. Um, this is uh, this was uh, also um, uh, an, an addition to that uh, was also uh, a shift in our uh, in our own mix uh, towards um, merchants that are using our multi multi local offering, which is 
inherently uh, has a lower uh, fulfillment take rate. So these were kind of the, the main uh, factors that, uh, that impacted uh, uh, that figure. Um, as we mentioned, also, if we look uh, forward uh, towards uh, Q4 and, and onwards, uh, since late October, uh, we did see some positive signs and reversal uh, of, of these trends uh, with uh, an improvement in same-store sales. So, uh, so we do believe that in the coming quarters, uh, growth will, will accelerate, uh, and that, combined with the, uh, uh, the growth in uh, Shopify Markets Pro uh, and our strong enterprise pipeline, gives us uh, the, the confidence in the dynamics going forward. Got it. That's helpful. Um, and maybe just on the near to medium term outlook for um, net dollar retention, how are you thinking about the persistence of this 130% level over the over the medium term? Eh, the thing I'm thinking through is, is it more reasonable to assume that as new merchant GMV grows, given the market's pro ramp, will the mix of your revenue cause some NDR degradation? And, and if so, by how much? So um, looking uh, looking into um, to this year to 2023, uh, as we said, we did see some softness in September and then in uh, the first part or most of October, and and that is reflected in lower same store sales. However, uh, we still think that uh, in in 2023. Uh, we do expect our annual NDR to be close to 130, as we previously uh, communicated. And looking forward, uh, to be honest, we are currently working on our budget for 2024. However, we can already say that we do believe that our NDR will remain close to 130% uh, next year as well. And uh, as said, this along with our strong enterprise pipeline and the growth of uh, markets flow gives us confidence in our ability to accelerate our growth in the coming quarters. That's great. Thank you all. Our next question comes from Samad Samana with Jeffries. Please proceed with your question. Great. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, maybe first, just following up on Shopify Markets Pro, can you help us understand maybe how you're thinking about the, the GMV ramp uh, in the fourth quarter? And I think Shopify has mentioned in the thousands in terms of uh, initial customers and, and maybe what kind of month-over-month uh, -month momentum you've seen since, since the go-live in September. And I, I know we don't want to get carried away, but just understanding maybe what the early momentum looks like and maybe what kind of GMV you're assuming and let's call it the first few quarters, just to, to think about trends and have one follow-up. Hi, Samad. Thank you for that. Um, uh, as, as, as Amir mentioned on the call, uh, Shopify Markets Pro uh, achieved a significant milestone in Q3 after almost two years of uh, development for both our team and the, and the Shopify team, and is now generally uh, available for uh, merchants in the U.S., since then, we have onboarded, um, as Harley mentioned, thousands of merchants who are now able to sell internationally in a, in a simple and seamless uh, way. Um, given uh, the fact that Markets Pro became generally available only late uh, this quarter, 
the contribution in Q3 is actually very, very limited. However, we do expect significant contribution to our growth next year and the coming years, uh, but it's still early days and uh, uh, it will be reflected in our guidance for 2024. Great, and then maybe just as a follow-up, um, you know, Wix is obviously another uh, large platform with, with a lot of e-commerce uh, stores. I'm curious maybe how we should think about the ramp there is, is, you know, I know it's just at the very first pilot customer, but anyway, you can maybe quantify what the size of that is and, and is there, how should we think about that, the economic relationship there versus something like a Shopify, uh, just to maybe help us to frame the opportunity? Sure. Then uh, we did, as you mentioned, uh, launched a first uh, pilot client, which is uh, very, very early days in order to speak about the, the expectation on, on commercial uh, uplift uh, to come out of it, but we did build a very robust integration uh, in partnership with the Wix team. Um, the relationship uh, with Wix is, uh, is quite close to what we have with most platforms, uh, such as uh, Salesforce Commerce or Hybrid or others, um, in, in, in the method of uh, partnership and work. We do expect it to uh, contribute towards growth in 2024. Uh, I think the, we, we don't expect it to be as a, the same effect as we would expect from a Shopify Markets Pro. It's not the same scale, but we do, uh, we do uh, expect it, uh, it to give us some incremental uh, growth. Great. Thank you. And wishing you and the whole Global Way family well uh, with everything going on. Thank you very Thanks. much, Emma. Our next question comes from Scott Berg with Needham & Company. Please proceed with your question. Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking my questions, and I certainly echo the sentiments, and best of luck with the uh, uh, challenging situation there, uh, certainly. I, I guess a, a couple of, of questions here. Let's start off with just the net new business. How should we think about net new logo uh, kind of bookings, new, new customer wins here? Uh, in the quarter and maybe year-to-date versus your expectations? Uh, um, as we see it uh, in, the, in our numbers and in our funnel, we remain on track to achieve our annual uh, targets for new bookings, uh, which will make uh, 2023 uh, a record year for us. Um, we haven't seen any uh, notable changes uh, in the time it takes to either uh, uh, sell the sales cycle itself or to onboard the client. So we're quite optimistic um, on the contribution of our enterprise funnel uh, towards, uh, towards 2024 uh, onwards. Uh, in terms of the additional factor, which is, uh, which is Shopify Markets Pro, uh, as stated, it was launched into general availability in the U.S. in September. Since then, we've started to see really nice adoptions uh, to date with thousands of merchants that actually uh, activated the solution, and we do accept it to, to give us an additional acceleration into 2024 onwards. Got it. Helpful. And then um, I know it's a, it's a small sample size in September and October, but um, implementation of customers kind of going into the uh, strong holiday season. Does the you know modestly changing same source sales sales environment 
you know, maybe uh, negatively or even positively impact your ability or your customers' desires to, you know, make sure these, uh, make sure your solutions implemented before the uh, strong holiday selling season. Thank you. Sure. Then typically, as you mentioned, we do see uh, late October, early November, uh, a push from clients to actually go live pre-peak to enjoy the localization and the extra services we provide uh, during peak period. Uh, this, is, this goes the same for this year. We have seen dozens of clients that actually launched with us in the last few days um, prior to, uh, prior to uh, the code freeze uh, that uh, us as well as the merchants uh, impose for, uh, for peak trading. Uh, we do expect uh, maybe uh, two more days of launches, and, and, and then it would go into, uh, into the quiet period in terms of uh, launching, and, and the focus would, would go into, uh, into the peak trading. Uh, however, we are very happy with, uh, with the launches, with the sales cycle, as well as the uh, onboarding to launch and, uh, and the dynamic, the multi-year uh, dynamic, we haven't seen any changes there. The, the, the change, the change we, we've seen, and, and Amir and Offer spoke about, is, is actually within uh, same-store sales, where we, where, which is much more affected by consumer sentiment. Our next question comes from Alex Topher with Goldman Sachs. Please proceed with your question. Hey, everyone. This is Alex on for well. Um, congrats on the launch of Markets Pro this quarter. Uh, we know it's still early, but we were wondering if you could share some color on the, what you're seeing in terms of the typical merchant profile, uh, maybe like GMV size, cross-border mix, and, and the popular verticals you're seeing getting adopted. And then my follow-up, uh, can you just talk about how much of the lower fulfillment take rate uh, in the last couple quarters has resulted from multi-local adoption versus sort of the mix shift towards standard shipping uh, from Express? Thanks. Hi, Alex. It's Nir. I'll take, I'll take the, the first question related to uh, Shopify Markets Pro. Uh, as you mentioned, it's still early days. Um, uh, for the adoption of the solution, but the early adopters, as we see them, on average, would be uh, smaller in size uh, than what we see on our enterprise uh, solution, uh, as we expected. So uh, it's much easier to onboard many more clients than what we can onboard in a certain uh, time period on, on the enterprise platform. However, they are uh, much smaller in scale. Uh, for the second part of your question, I'll refer it to uh, Ophel. Thank you, Neil. Um, so in terms of the fulfillment take rate, the, 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 the higher share of impact is from uh, multi-local adoption. Actually, uh, a lot of it is from uh, merchants that have already onboarded uh, a year ago and are growing uh, with us. And, and from time to time, we do launch uh, an additional uh, merchant that prefers uh, to work uh, based on this method because they, they are large and they have global inventories that they can uh, utilize. Uh, and the remaining is from uh, a, a certain shift from uh, express to standard, uh, as you mentioned. Got it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alex. Our next question comes from Kunal Madhukar with UBS. Please proceed with your question. 
Hi, thanks for uh, taking my questions. Uh, our, our thoughts definitely go out to you guys uh, that are sitting in a in a in a war zone, especially after the tragedy. Uh, one on on the the weakness in Europe and uh, and in the luxury. Can you help us understand how big of an exposure you have to uh, to luxury and then uh, to European consumers? And then I have a follow up. Hi, uh, thank you for the question. It's uh, Ophel. Um, basically, uh, we grew uh, during COVID very fast with luxury brands that have uh, adopted direct-to-consumer uh, once they, uh, they they understood that uh, physical stores are closed, and we uh, we grew very fast. Uh, as you know, we have. Uh, uh, quite a few LVMH brands. We did launch additional three uh, this quarter. Uh, luxury is, is a wide definition, but currently it's approximately 25% uh, of, uh, of our GMV. Um, regarding Europe, uh, Europe is a, is a large uh, inbound market, and it's uh, approximately 30% uh, of our inbound sales. Sorry. Thank you. And then, as as we look at uh, you know your your marketing efforts on behalf of Shopify Mark, uh, Shopify Markets Pro customers, is there an opportunity for take rate expansion if you start offering them, you know, marketing services with uh, uh, with with some spread? Yeah, so I'll, I'll just clarify on the difference between Shopify Markets Pro and our enterprise business. On Shopify Markets Pro, uh, there, uh, there is no marketing efforts from the global east side, not on onboarding the merchants or selling to the merchants in order to use the platform, um, and not on the service side. We just offer localization. Um, on the enterprise platform, I would say the investment in marketing to bring the clients on board and launch them, uh, of course, is, is, is with the company. To those clients, we started to offer, indeed, a marketing service. We're still in the early days. It is part of the um, assimilation of the, global, of the border-free acquisition capabilities uh, into globally, which is uh, still undergoing on the marketing side. However, we see a nice adoption and growth already at the early stage. So we did, uh, on, the, on the back of those capabilities on board, uh, a couple of uh, large merchants into our managed service capabilities. We did launch additional 10 merchants that are using our marketing services to increase brand awareness and demand generation worldwide. Uh, so we see, I would say, the early innings of adoption. Over time, we do expect that we, as we guided in the past, that over time we do expect it to give us some extra uh, margin on the, on the take rates. But it will take uh, it will take uh, it will take a few quarters to to realize that. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from Brent Bresselin with Piper Sandler. Please proceed with your question. Good morning. I'll uh, also extend support and uh, best wishes for you, your family, and colleagues impacted by the tragedy in Israel here. 
maybe Amir, I wanted I wanted to go back to same store sales uh, and 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 really double click into the the luxury space. Um, how broad based was the slowdown in, in same store sales? Was it across the majority of your luxury merchants? Was it a handful? Any additional color you could give us around same store sales and magnitude of, of the slowdown you saw there with some of those luxury brands would be helpful. Thanks. Sure. Thank you, Brent, and thank you for the kind words. Um, it was uh, relatively broad um, uh, in terms of uh, luxury. Obviously, there are always uh, outliers or, or brands that uh, are impacted uh, less. It, it is down to the characteristics of the individual brand, but we did see a trend that I would say roughly covered, uh, I would say, around 80% of our uh, luxury brands that did see this uh, same-store sale uh, growth slowdown. Super helpful there. And, and then, Ofer, as a follow-up, if I look at Q4 here, obviously it came in a little light because of the macro, same-source sales, 35% GMV growth in, in Q3. You're guiding to 37% growth, so actually an improvement uh, in, in GMV growth in, in Q4. Um, obviously, the macro is getting worse. Data points suggest things are getting more challenging. What What's giving you the visibility for, for growth on a year-over-year -year basis to improve slightly in Q4? You, you did talk about several new brands going live in Q3. Maybe that helps. Markets Pro could help. I don't know. But, but could you double-click into what gives you confidence GMV growth is going to actually improve in Q4, even with some of the challenges out there, and, and call it 25% exposure to luxury? Yeah, so um, thanks, Brent, for the question. Um, well, as mentioned, we, we, we have seen a, a certain slowdown in same-store sales, mainly around luxury and in Europe in, uh, in Q3. Uh, and also, as we mentioned, we have seen a bounce back uh, towards the end uh, of October going into uh, November. Um, we do believe uh, that growth will accelerate in the coming quarters. And the main drivers for that is, one, the successful launch of uh, Shopify Market Scroll, which will start contributing all, already in Q4. It's ramping up, but uh, as mentioned, we do have a, a, a large uh, number of merchants on it, smaller merchants, but still it will contribute into Q4 and contribute more significantly into 2024. Uh, in addition to that, uh, the very healthy pipeline uh, and the launches uh, uh, we saw also will uh, uh, support accelerated growth. And we did uh, see an improvement, as I mentioned, in consumer uh, sentiment uh, since late October, going uh, uh, actually up to this day, to the beginning of the peak. So there is still the peak period in front of us, and obviously we took that into account. Uh, but uh, we do believe that growth will be accelerated. Our next question comes from Brian Peterson with Raymond James. Please proceed with your question. Uh, it's great to hear from you, and best wishes to the Global E family in these really challenging times. Um, I, I, over, or Amir, I wanted to follow up maybe on Brent's last question. You know, you've mentioned 
that you've seen some encouraging signs in spending over the last few weeks. Is that a function of what had softened in luxury in Europe getting better, or is it maybe broader-based trends kind of outside of that? Uh, and is it fair to say that those same store trends are back to where they were in August? You know, I'd love to just kind of double-click on, on what's improved and what you've seen over the last few weeks. Uh, so, so over, uh, thanks, Brian, for uh, for the question. Um, and uh, what we have seen is a general improvement. Uh, we have seen uh, improvement out of Europe uh, as part of the general improvement, uh, and less uh, improvement in luxury, limited uh, improvement uh, around luxury. But all in all, the numbers uh, have bounced back. Uh, so it's a three-week period, um, but we need to, to wait and see what happens uh, through the peak. But, uh, but we have seen uh, a general improvement uh, with Europe as part of that. I appreciate the perspective. Maybe just on, on border-free, uh, you know, I'd love to get an update on, on the progress there in, in expected synergies. And, and as you kind of talked about that enterprise as, as a reason for accelerating growth in coming quarters, is border-free included in that? Just want to make sure I, I get an update on what's going on with border-free. Thanks, guys. Sure. Then, uh, thanks, Brian. It's new. Uh, then, as, as we mentioned in the past, uh, we did extend the period for uh, border-free clients to migrate over to the Globally platform. Uh, but over this quarter, uh, we managed to uh, start uh, onboarding uh, clients into Globally already. Um, I can say that we see positive signs there. Uh, trading for clients that actually migrated from the border-free platform to uh, Globally is much better. Conversion rates are up as we expected. And on the back of it, we see higher trading volumes. So we do expect that once we migrated the vast majority uh, within, uh, within 2024, uh, this will have positive impact on the, on the same store sales of, of Border Free that is currently on the Border Free platform, I would say, uh, not, uh, not as good as what we see in, on, on globally. Our next question comes from Koji Akita with Bank of America. Please proceed with your question. Hey, hey Amir, Nir, and Ofera, thanks for taking the questions. Um, I wanted to dig, dig in on the fulfillment take rate and how to think about this metric going forward. You know, in, in the quarter, take rate was about 8.5%, and, and I realize you did call out the, you know, the kind of the multi-local and the standard shipping, so I so really appreciate the color there. Um, but, but also thinking about, you know, I, I do recall in prior quarters, um, sometimes smaller box, high-value products uh, can drive fulfillment take rate lower. Uh, and then layering on, you know, the ramp of Markets Pro on top of that, it, the question here is, you know, how should we be thinking about you know, the long-term fulfillment take rate for the business and, and maybe some of the dynamics that could affect that? Sure. Yeah, so uh, uh, thank you for that, Jim. I, well, I'll start from uh, from luxury, as we mentioned. Uh, it wasn't a great quarter for luxury, so so that didn't have any any negative impact on uh, fulfillment take rates. Um, going forward, uh, and 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 as we mentioned, uh, the, the main uh, drivers were uh, multi-local and also some shift from uh, express shipping to standard shipping. 
Um, going forward, we do uh, expect uh, stabilization, maybe a slight improvement going into, uh, into next year, into the first quarter. But all in all, uh, if we look uh, to 2024, and again, we are working on the budget uh, currently, but uh, we do expect uh, sir, uh, take rates to stay uh, relatively stable uh, throughout 24 with uh, some volatility between the quarters. Our next question comes from Maddie Schrott with KeyBank Capital Markets. Please proceed with your question. Hey guys, just wanted to maybe keep on the fulfillment take rate subject. Um, wanted to know if any of the consumer weakness kind of also resonates with shipping speeds and shipping take rates. You know, just wondering if we would maybe express or expect less express shipping in the holiday season this year, maybe compared to last year. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're perfectly right that uh, the wood some effect related to consumer sentiment and the higher growth of standard shipping versus express uh, we've seen in, in Q3. Uh, as, as we've seen shoppers, uh, mainly in, in Europe, uh, uh, trending more towards the standard uh, with increased uh, standard share in the mix. Um, however, when we go into Q4, especially through peak period and into Christmas sales, as Consumers are much more concerned, uh, concerned with the time it will take uh, for their package to arrive. As a lot of it is gifting, especially if we speak about uh, Christmas shopping. We don't expect to see this trend continue. Uh, as, we do, uh, as we do give uh, uh, some uh, warnings in the, in the checkout prior to, 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 to Christmas to alert about higher transit time in, in standard, usually... Uh, we see uh, we see a shift towards uh, back towards express, so we don't expect this to continue. Okay, great. And I think we've heard from some other e-commerce players that they're kind of expecting bigger um, discounts this holiday season from the retailers. So just wondering what your guys' expectations are in terms of maybe discounts from retailers and maybe lower cart sizes than typical. Thanks. So um, within September, October, we did witness some lower AOV on average. It was driven by, I would say, a reduction in luxury that also with uh, smaller baskets in Europe, the combination of both yielded on company-wide a bit of a reduction in the over average uh, order value. Um, and we do expect uh, some of it to translate into, a, into lower baskets within peak. We did and we do discuss, especially with some of our larger brands, our plans into peak, and some, uh, some of it is based on uh, heavier discounting than, than last year. Uh, all in all, we don't think it would be a major effect. Uh, and the early signings of peaks that we see in the last few days uh, look very positive in terms of the uplift in sales uh, without a major impact on the average basket versus last year. Our next question comes from Pat Walravens with JMP Securities. Please proceed with your question. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, I mean, so Amir, putting it all together, what are the 
top one or two things that you feel CEO you need to get done, you know, um, for 2024. And as, as part of that, does the Shopify agreement still expire in April 2024 with uh, automatic renewal? Is that still how that works? Uh, thanks, Pat. I'll, I'll start with the second one. It's uh, easier in, um, uh, no, as, as we mentioned, the um, the agreement was extended for another year. The original agreement was for the three-year uh, initial term, which indeed um, ends at, in April uh, of uh, next year, but it also had an auto-renewal mechanism that kicked in, so uh, it, uh, it was renewed, uh, and it's now until April uh, 2025. So that's, that's regarding the, the Shopify agreement. Uh, in terms of priorities for uh, next year, I think uh, it's uh, it's pretty clear uh, for us. Uh, we have our core set. We we believe uh, very uh, very firmly in our in our ability to continue uh, executing on uh, on all our uh, all our strategic uh, vectors. So it will it will be uh, making sure that we continue the strong. Uh, uh, push uh, of uh, our, our funnel into actual deals and, and getting uh, the, the many merchants that we have signed and in integration, getting them live um, as, uh, as planned. Um, and in parallel, um, um, growing uh, uh, Shopify Markets Pro uh, together with Shopify uh, and extending our reach uh, to, to additional markets uh, and to uh, additional uh, verticals, as, as we stated. Uh, on top of that, we have uh, uh, quite a few uh, strategic uh, initiatives. We talked a lot about uh, demand generation uh, in, also in previous quarters, and we have a few uh, value-added services uh, that are, say, longer term uh, in terms of uh, their impact on the actual financials, but we believe they are important um, um, stones uh, in the, the building that uh, that we are building, and we'll continue to uh, to invest in these as uh, uh, future uh, growth engines uh, for the business. Our next question comes from Mark Zugati with the Benchmark Company. Please proceed with your question. Uh, thank you. Good afternoon. Um, Two quick ones. Just uh, if you think of, you, you talk a lot about consumer sentiment improving, and specifically uh, in Europe, I'm curious what you attribute the the more near-term snapback to, um, and if there's any sort of um, correlation as you look at uh, that snapback, if you will, to higher sales volumes, um, that type of thing. And then as we look at first half of next year, not looking for any specific numbers, but just trying to understand if the macro gets a bit tighter, sort of how you think about uh, flex you have on the expense side and where specifically uh, you may have some flexibility there. Thank you. Thank you for your question. It's Neil. Um, so uh, the, the, the softening we've seen coming in September and I would say kind of bouncing back or ending late October. Um, we don't really have a, macro, a good macro explanation to it as we didn't see a major shift in inflation uh, or in current inflation or in, in, in inflation expectations in Europe. So I can't honestly uh, attribute it to something specific. However, we did see a change uh, and changing back again. So uh, hopefully if the trend we've seen now will continue three peak, um, I think we're in a 
in, in, a, in a very good position for year-end and, um, and the following quarters. Um, and on that, we're optimistic. Um, thanks, Ian. I'll, I'll take uh, this, your second question. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, expenses, um, we, do, we do have the, uh, some flex, but, but actually uh, what we are doing and what we have been doing over the last uh, few quarters, uh, even more than that, is, uh, is actually preempting that and, and managing our, our operational expenses very, uh, very tightly. Um, and making sure uh, as we look forward to, to uh, adding additional headcount, we also mentioned in the prepared remarks that uh, we do continue to ex- expand our teams to support the future uh, development, uh, but at the same time we're doing it very diligently and we are lo- always with, with uh, the lookout to the expected growth of the business to make sure that our, our revenues grow faster than our, uh, than our cost base. So this is very actively managed by us on a day-to-day basis. Okay, thank you. And maybe one uh, last one. Just when you talk about, uh, you mentioned you expect Shopify Arcus Pro to be a significant contributor next year, albeit um, you know not quantifying that uh, yet. I'm just curious, what type of penetration do you need of their plus merchant base for that to be significant? Um, I, I think that, and the, and, the, and, the, and the great thing about Shopify Markets Pro it caters for virtually all of Shopify merchants, so it's not limited to Plus. Uh, any small merchants on the Shopify platform that is interested in international or doing even small amounts in international can actually, uh, can actually um, uh, subscribe to the service and turn it on. Uh, it's simple, um, and, and, and actually uh, we, we will see a, a much broader adoption than, than, than outside Plus. We do believe it will come significant, even if the adoption rates aren't uh, aren't very very high. You will see a very uh, a very significant contribution. We need to recall that uh, Shopify cross-border uh, reported GMV is around the 30 billion uh, dollar mark. If we get um, if we get uh, if we are able to cater for uh, some of it also through the Shopify Markets Pro. Uh, it is a nice growth rate for uh, globally on top of our current growth. Our next question comes from Zachary Dunn with ST Partners. Please proceed with your question. Hey there, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I just wanted to touch quickly on the service fee take rate. So on a year-over-year basis, I think it's the second sequential quarter of the take rate declining, uh, and that decrease actually accelerated. So, you know, last quarter you said you expected to stay stable in the back half with some upside from value-added services. So I guess my question is twofold. One, is that take rate coming in lower because of weaker demand from value-added services? And then just two, how should we think about that take rate going forward? Should we expect it to be down again year over year? Uh, any context there would be appreciated. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, actually, we, we are quite satisfied from the service fee take, take rate. It did meet our expectations. Uh, we mentioned in the previous quarter that Q3 is a very tough comp because we had a particularly high service fee take rate in, in 2022. Um, but uh, as, as you can see, the service fee take rate has increased sequentially from Q2 to Q3, and we do believe that uh, there is some 
additional upside, but as I mentioned uh, previously, going into Q4 and next year, we do believe that uh, uh, it should stay uh, stable. And again, maybe some upside on the service fee uh, side. There are no further questions at this time. I would now like to turn the floor back over to Amir for closing comments. Thank you, and thank you everyone for joining us on this call today. Um, before we finish, I would just like to take this opportunity and thank you all again for your ongoing support and, and for sharing our passion for cross-border e-commerce uh, and our belief in the enormous opportunity presented by it. Uh, we very much look forward to updating you again on our calls as we continue our rapid path to conquer this market. So until next time, goodbye to you all and take care. This concludes today's teleconference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation.